Everyone, remain calm. Yeah. Ooh. Ah. That's how it always starts. And later, there's running and screaming. World. You're listening to the Jurassic Park Podcast. You want to consult here or in my bungalow? <laughs> Hold on to your butt. Well, we're back. Hello. And welcome to the 20th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. In this episode, all you're going to get is me, uh, because I've got a ton of news for you, an update from New York Comic Con, a fun Jurassic-themed song by David Unger, a listener segment, impromptu question reactions, and the introduction of the upcoming poll. So why don't we start things off with a bit of Jurassic news from around the world. Eighteen minutes and your company catches up on ten years of research. Access main program. Access main security. These pictures were taken in hospital in Costa Rica 48 hours ago. I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but look. Boy, we hate being right all the time. But today, I guarantee it. Director of Jurassic World, Colin Trevorrow, has begun filming his follow-up feature, The Book of Henry, in New York City. In the film, Colin is directing Naomi Watts, Lee Pace, Dean Norris, Sarah Silverman, and many more in a story of a single mother raising two boys, with one being a genius. Not too much more is known about the story, as it is an original screenplay from Greg Hurwitz. Colin has been quoted as saying, I feel very fortunate to be able to tell this story. It is a true original. Take a look at the show notes for a link to comingsoon.net for the story. On a scale from 1 to 10... How deadly was the T-Rex from Jurassic Park? Well, RollingStone.com thinks they've answered that question. They released an article on the best and worst movie super beasts, ranging from the T-Rex to Godzilla to Jaws and Tremors. The article points out how deadly each creature may be if you were to come into contact with them. They scored the Rex at a 5, so apparently they consider it not very deadly. I guess that's middle of the road. But I'd ask the Indominus that question and see what the answer is. If you want a fun read, you can find the link to the article in the show notes. Do you have an Xbox One, but haven't picked up LEGO Jurassic World yet? Well, don't worry, because there is apparently a free demo version available to everybody with an Xbox One. Log into your Xbox right now, search for the game, and give it a shot. Now, it's a demo version, so it will surely entice you to buy the full version. Good luck. The Utah Fieldhouse of Natural History State Park Museum has an area of exposed rock due to erosion, where people can go and find fossils. For $400, you can accompany a paleontologist out into the field to help collect fossils and other specimen for the museum. The museum is a working lab where visitors can watch the paleo work right before their eyes. This sounds like a unique experience for anybody looking to join the paleontology field. Take a look at the link in the show notes for more information on the museum and the field program. 
Last week gave us the name of the new Universal Studios Japan coaster, the Flying Dinosaur. This week we have a bit of information on the ride itself. According to ThemeParkInsider.com, the flying coaster will come in at 3,688 feet, which makes it the longest coaster of its kind. It also features a 124-foot drop which is the deepest for a flying coaster. Hopefully many of you have gotten a chance to ride a flying coaster. I have one out here near me. It's uh, Superman the Ride, I think. It's in uh, Six Flags Great Adventure. And it's super fun to ride, but it also can be kind of painful if you get stuck. So hopefully this ride doesn't get stuck too often. Um, This ride is going for the records, so I can't wait to see it finished. I've posted a link to the information and some more pictures in the show notes. If you haven't picked up Jurassic World on HD Digital yet, you might want to head over to Google Play and get the Jurassic Park collection. For $39.99, you can get all four films in HD, discounted down from $58.96. Well, there's not much else to say about that except go buy it. You'll find the link to Google Play in the show notes. Now, this is one you've probably already seen, but Universal Pictures released a 360-degree video of Chris Pratt riding the Triumph motorcycle in the scene from Jurassic World. So the video starts off with Chris Pratt like kind of holding back, awaiting directions. And uh, then they, they start rolling and they take off down the dark path as the crew spouts out overtake moves and other directives. It's pretty cool to see Chris Pratt riding the bike, but the cool part is actually when you spin around and you see how many crew members are on the truck rig ensuring the best takes for that scene. If you want to get a good look behind the scenes, you can find a link to the video in our show notes. Mommy's very angry. This is in the pit and snake man. No, I'm, I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. Is that good? You find it? Fantastic. Just the parts they didn't like. I believe I've spent enough time in the company of death. Hang on, this is going to be bad. This past week has seen a ton of great Jurassic World imagery out of New York Comic Con. The pictures started coming in earlier in the week as they were setting up the epic entrance into the Comic Con itself, uh, and it featured the massive gates of Jurassic World. Now, from what I've heard, the film score played as, as everybody who attended marched through the gates, and tons of people on Twitter and Instagram mentioned how the theme was stuck in their heads all weekend long. Throughout the weekend, the gates also saw the addition of a raptor straight from the Universal Parks. The raptor was reined in and set between some some shrubbery near the park gates where visitors could take pictures with the handlers and the animal itself. Now, even better than that, Jurassic World star Nick Robinson popped by to hang out with the raptor and take some pictures with the fans. Now, it looks like a lot of the fans were able to pick up some awesome Jurassic artwork. Uh, Bottleneck Gallery in particular had a great Jurassic World print Uh, featuring the gyrosphere roaming through a few dinosaurs, and the monorail was looming above. But I'm actually somewhat jealous of this one. It's kind of tiny, but a few lucky fans were able to pick up uh, some Comic-Con pins featuring the Jurassic World logo uh, with the tagline, Genetically Altered DNA, 99.7% pure. Now, if you weren't able to go like me, I'm sure you'll be able to pick these things up on eBay in the coming weeks. Um, There's guaranteed to be people pawning them off at too high of a price, so keep your eye out. Now, you really can't wrap up the New York Comic Con experience without mentioning the cosplay. Now, we saw the likes of Owen, Claire, Hammond, and uh, the Paddock Supervisor, which was a new one to me. I haven't really seen that one yet. Um, We also saw the Margarita Guy, ACU members, and even the Indominus Rex. Now, I'd have to say that this one was was my absolute favorite of the bunch. Uh, From everyone sending me pictures and information on the cosplay, they just said it was huge. 
and it really looks like it in the pictures. So I've posted a few pictures um, of what they look like, and you can see the images on our Twitter and also uh, probably a collage on Instagram. So overall, after combing through all the, the news and information we got from the con, I'd really have to say that Jurassic World was probably the biggest hit, even though we didn't really get any kind of uh, movie news or, or anything regarding the series. Um, I think we're going to have to wait a while before we get some real news, but hopefully we'll be able to attend next year and get some bigger updates for the series in 2016. Make sure to check out all our retweets from the event over on our Twitter, at Jurassic Park Pod. Oh, hear fire, do not fire! God creates man, man destroys God, man creates dinosaurs. Boy, my head being right all the time. We're gonna have to drop the can! Are you ready? One, two, come on! This week we have a, a special audio segment for you. Uh, we got into contact with David Unger on Twitter and asked him if we could play his track here on the podcast, and he agreed. So why don't you take a listen to this parody track, as it's pretty hilarious and a must-listen for any Jurassic Park fan.
hope you enjoyed that track. David Unger, he collaborated with Low Carb Comedy on YouTube for a pretty amazing video. The song is already fantastic, but the video makes it even better. I've posted a link to the video in the show notes, so go check it out along with all the other great videos he has posted. I'm not a computer nerd. I prefer to be called a hacker. Aren't you supposed to be a genius or something? I can't get Jurassic Park back online without Dennis Dendron. Incorporating all the latest technologies. We shouldn't be here. And there's five dinosaurs. How many Sarahs do you think are on this island? So we have a few listener submissions this week. And the first one is an email from Evan. He says, I have been listening to your podcast, and I like the casual conversation about the Jurassic Park movies. One thing I haven't heard you mention much is the books by Michael Crichton and how they compare and differ from the first two movies. I love the books and have a lot of opinions and analysis that I have compiled on this topic. I would be interested in sharing more with you if you liked. Evan, hashtag your friendly neighborhood T-Rex. Thank you so much for the email, Evan, and also for being an active participant over on our Instagram page. Uh, We really appreciate all the support over there and also for being a listener. So um, I'm really sorry we haven't gotten to cover the books all that much yet, but I certainly intend to in the near future. We've actually gotten a few different requests to do them on the show, um, so I think it's about time. I haven't reread them in probably um, like three to four years, so I'd I'd have to pick them up again for a refresher. Uh, There's a ton to discuss, particularly the characters and uh, who didn't or did survive. There's a few different scenes that have stuck in my head over the years, and I'd love to discuss why that happens and what makes them so memorable. And, you know, if you're interested in discussing the topic here, Um, I'd love to have you come on the show and do a segment with me. Anyway, thanks for the email, and keep an eye out for more book discussion in the near future. Thanks, Evan. Now, this next one here is a a super quick voicemail that we received. Now, I couldn't make out who it was from, uh, so sorry about that, but I'll do my best to answer your question. So, here goes. How in the world, in two hours, did raptors learn how to open doors? Are they really that smart? All right, so a lot has been said about raptors not being able to open doors, and many view it as a pretty corny scene from the first film. I'm going to try to defend the scene a little bit here. Now, the film starts off by explaining basically how smart these creatures are. Try to imagine yourself in the Cretaceous period. You get your first look at this six-foot turkey as you enter a clearing. Because Velociraptor's a pack hunter, you see. He uses coordinated attack patterns... And he is out in force today. And then later on, we hear it again. So they show intelligence. With the brain cavity. They show extreme intelligence. Even problem-solving intelligence. Especially the big one. We bred eight originally, but when she came in, she took over the pride and killed all but two of the others. That one. When she looks at you, you can see she's working things out. That's why we have to feed them like this. She had them all attacking the fences when the feeders came. The fences are electrified, though, right? That's right, but they never attacked the same place twice. They were testing the fences for weaknesses systematically. They remember. So we know from the film uh, that these raptors were problem-solving since they were first brought into the paddock, and it continued as far as our eating habits were concerned. Now, once they escaped, we really don't know how they got into the maintenance shed, you know, whether they chased in Arnold or they, they opened the door, I'm not too sure. But we do get to see the raptor open the door in the kitchen, and also it tries to attempt to break into the control room through the door that's being barricaded by Grant and Ellie. Now, many opposers will say raptors can't turn their wrists to open doors, uh, but I don't really like that theory. I think that there, there really wasn't any wrist turning involved in those opening door scenes. 
it, you know, it's not like a, you know, like a doorknob where they have to grasp it and turn it. This one actually just had easily grasped handles that could just be pulled down and pushed open. Now, uh, you know, if you doubt the possibility, you can head over to YouTube and type in animals opening doors, and you'll see just how easy it can happen. Take, for instance, the recent uh, scare out in South Africa. You know, a family was driving through a lion park, and they stopped to take a few uh, pictures and videos of the lions, and were surprised that the lion opened the car door with its mouth and, uh, you know, truly terrified the passengers. I know. There's just a locked door. Oh my gosh, I didn't know they could do that. So I think it's completely possible for raptors with highly evolved intelligence to open up a few doors here and there. But I guess the question really remains if they could have done it in two hours or not. Now that is still debatable. But anyway, thanks for the voicemail, and hopefully you can call back sometime, leave another message, and uh, we'll get your name then. Thanks. You know, as I'm recording this, I actually got a, a question here from Chris, at Indian Marion on Twitter. He asks, How about if you could redo the Jurassic Park River Adventure? What changes would you make, or what additions? Uh, you know, I'd really love to have an answer for you, man. Uh, as you know, I'm going there in December. Uh, so I've kind of been trying to stay away from uh, videos, you know, and everything of the ride. I've actually really forgotten as to what is involved in that ride i know there's a few outdoor you know areas and i know the big drop the t-rex all that stuff but um i've really tried to keep it out of my mind so i kind of go in fresh when i get there um but from what i've been hearing is that the uh animatronics are really weak so I, i'm i'm not looking forward to that aspect um so if anything i'd love for you know fresh animatronics and you know stuff like that to be involved and maybe better designs um and uh i i, I can't really respond to what's inside the building i really forget um so uh, i can't wait to see it again since it's been a really long time since i've been on it um but once i get on that ride i'll let you know exactly what kind of changes i'd like to see so uh stay tuned and i'll answer that question uh mid-december hopefully dodson dodson we've got dodson here just went and made a new dinosaur I didn't intend to do a poll segment this week, but Olivia's outcry last week for Zara encouraged me to throw out the question of whether or not she deserved her demise. Now let's take a look at some of the reactions over on Twitter and Instagram. Um, so why don't we start off here over on Twitter? Uh, this one comes from at the friendly T-Rex. It says, probably not, but that death was way too choreographed. You know, I can see what you mean. Uh, because of the way she was picked up and, and dropped and picked up again, dropped in the water, and the whole, you know, Mosasaurus coming out of the water, I can t I can definitely see how that seems choreographed. Okay, so we have one here from at sickle underscore claw. We hear from him a lot. He says, Plot twist, Zara was a Biosyn spy. I absolutely love this answer because uh, me and him went back and forth a few times, creating some ridiculous headcanon. And uh, I ended up on the fact that she's the daughter of Dodgson and she was raised in the UK. If we're going to create some ridiculous circumstances, I'm going to make her the daughter of a despicable character. You know, we heard her accent. She's raised in the UK, so maybe she was brought up as a Biosyn spy. I like that. Good answer. This one here comes from at Jennifer underscore Lynn 89. We all know her. She's been on the podcast before. She says, I don't think anybody deserves it. 
But dinos don't consider your life choices when choosing their meals. You know what? They really don't. They eat whoever they want. And unfortunately, in the series, we see a few characters get eaten when they don't necessarily deserve it. Like Eddie Carr. You know, what did he do wrong? But instead, he was just bitten in half in a brutal, brutal death. And, you know, that's what he deserved? I don't know. I don't think so. So we just heard from Matt. We just heard from Jen. And now we hear from Diego Rodriguez, the third member of the Jurassic World hype train. And uh, this answer says, I think she didn't. But Jurassic Park, Jurassic World shows that nobody is safe. And also continues saying, She didn't deserve it, in my opinion, even if she was an Eddie Regis type. Now, I totally agree with you. She's totally an Eddie Regis type. If you don't get the reference, it's from the book. Um, and Eddie looked after Lex and Tim and ended up kind of being an, an amalgamation of uh, Gennaro and actually Zara herself. So uh, she's definitely that kind of person. And, you know, unfortunately, she didn't really deserve it. Uh, but let's move on here. We have another one from at N7Patrick. Patrick's always good for a response, and uh, this time he says, Not really deserves to die, but her death was a result of uh, chaos. And he continues on saying, I still say it was chaos. Even if the kids had been with her the whole time, it's still possible that she still could have died. And you know what? You're right, because it doesn't matter. You know, just like Jen said before, the dinos don't consider your life choices when choosing their meals. Uh, they don't really consider who they're eating. So it could have been her, it could have been somebody else, but unfortunately it was her, and that's what happened, so we kind of have to accept it, um, but you're right. Good answer there, Patrick. Uh, so let's move over to Instagram, and uh, we have one here from Claudio, who actually sent us an email last week, and uh, he just says, Yup. So uh, I guess he thinks she deserved it, but uh, let's move on to Klingon007JP. Uh, this one says, Honestly, I didn't really care about her character. I hate to say that, and I am no way defending her death, but there was just too little screen time for her to develop. However, if something like that happened to Sarah Harding, Kelly Malcolm, or even Amanda Kirby, then it would have had much more of an impact for me. You know, I kind of get it. I get that point because we really didn't get to know her too much. Unless you picked up on those subtle clues that they gave you here and there, you really don't know who she is, so I guess you don't have that empathy when her character dies. Um, this one here comes from DJI Top. Uh, it says, Frankly speaking, I find that a kind-hearted side character had the most grotesque ending in all of the quadrilogy. Continuing on, saying, Indeed, another demonstration of how cinematics leaves us wordless with awe and uncertainty. Yet another reason to fancy the franchise. And yeah, I totally agree. You know, you just look at that scene in awe and, you know, how grotesque it is and that, you know, you don't really, I guess you don't really get to know her too much, but you can kind of see that she's accepting her job and she's doing the right thing by watching the kids. And, you know, she actually gets kind of uh, upset that the fact that they, they disappear. And, you know, when she finally sees them, she tries to corral them and get them back. And then the, the uh, grotesque death happens. So, uh, you know, that's just the reason why we love the franchise, I guess. I think I'm just going to read this one. It comes from XOXNAKOMISXOX. It says, I don't think she deserved it. She wasn't the best babysitter, but she wasn't a horrible human being. She was just being a normal 20-something-year-old who is always on their phone. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, she was doing her daily routine. She was, like, checking her phone all the time. Uh, she was talking to whoever she needed to talk to. It seemed like a, a kind of important conversation about her fiancé. Um, and she was just doing her normal thing, and the kids just escaped. So it's really nobody's fault. And, uh, you know, I don't blame the kids or anybody like that for her being in that circumstance. You know, it could have been anybody, like we said before. But it just turned out to be her. So, unfortunately, that's what happened. I just want to give a big thanks to everybody who commented. 
Um, I just threw that question out there. We didn't expect to get all kinds of awesome results like that. So um, I'm glad to hear you guys stood up for Zara and her untimely demise in Jurassic World. And I think Olivia would really be happy to hear all these answers. So hopefully she's listening this week and uh, maybe she can reach out and let us know what uh, she thought about all the answers. So for our next poll, I'd actually like to hear about your Halloween costumes or your cosplay. So do you plan on being any Jurassic Park character for Halloween? Or on the other hand, do you cosplay as any of these characters for any upcoming cons or other events? Let us know. We'd love to find out. We'll be posting the question throughout the week and possibly extending it for the next two weeks. We'll have to see how uh, everything goes down in the next two weeks. So reach out to us. You can send us emails. You can send uh, a, a voicemail. You can send us stuff on Twitter, Instagram, anywhere. Let us know, you know what you plan on doing for Halloween or any kind of upcoming cosplay. Also, continuing on with the cosplay aspect, um, we're actually looking for, for people who do this, who dress up as... Um, you know, either Claire or Owen or Grant, Malcolm, Hammond, anybody from the Jurassic Park franchise. We're looking to get some people here on the podcast to discuss their routine, you know, what they do, how they find all the uh, clothes that they need or any of the props or anything. We want to find you guys and get you guys on the podcast in the next coming weeks. So reach out to us any way you can and let us know and we'll try to work something out. Thanks for listening to the 20th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I want to thank David Unger for letting us use his track here on the podcast. You know, that chorus is still stuck in my head. It's super catchy. I also want to thank everybody for sending in their answers to the Zara question. And also to Evan and our mystery caller and Chris. Thanks to everybody for continuing to build a great community. I seriously love it. And if you want to help build that community, you can find us everywhere on the internet, basically. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and Flickr, and you can also listen to us via iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Podomatic, and YouTube. We're usually spotted commenting on the Jurassic Park subreddit as Jurassic Park Podcast. All the links to our web presence are in our show notes. And here we go. I'm going to ask you guys again, and you know it. I ask you every week, but if you haven't already, please do us a huge favor by giving us a five-star review on iTunes. It will seriously help us build our rankings and make it easier for fans like you to find us. We've actually gotten a bunch of great reviews recently, so keep it up. We'd love to see more. If you want to get a hold of us, you can tweet us, at Jurassic Park Pod, or you can email us with any news stories, MP3s, segment ideas, pictures, top tens, or comments to JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. If you would like to record something for the show, you can send it in to us, and we'll feature it in an upcoming episode. If you don't have any way to record, you can give our voicemail a call and leave us a message. The number is 732-825-7763. Thanks for listening, and enjoy. Five minutes. Drop what you're doing and leave now.